This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. Galatians chapter 5. We're talking about the fruit of the recreated human spirit. Galatians chapter 5. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. The fruit of the Spirit is love. I believe that what follows are byproducts of that fruit. I believe that we experience them in their fullness when we start walking and living in the love of God and demonstrating the love of God. Uh, Some of the greatest challenges that you will have in life you're going to find in the body of Christ. They're two-legged. Amen. A Holy Ghost sandpaper. Man, there's just something about a person that can rub you up the wrong way. But the fruit of the Spirit will enable you to look at them and smile and love them. But I want you to see the progression. (laughs) Look at them. (laughs) Then while you're looking, you learn to smile. (laughs) And then you learn to love them. Not because there's anything nice about them. But because the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And you and I have the ability to love with the love of God. Romans 5, 5 t- says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. So if it has been, it's there. It's not that you don't have it. It's that you've got it and you don't know how to release it or you choose not to release it. So we've got it. And we've got to learn to walk in the love of God. You and I don't have enough personality You and I don't have enough good looks. You and I don't possess enough money or talent or credentials to attract the world to Jesus. There's one thing that attracts the world to Jesus, and it's a commodity they can't find out there outside of the church. And I'm not talking about the institution. I'm talking about those who really love. And we've got to learn to love people. Just check that neighbor of yours. (laughs) Say, man... (laughs) I really do love you, okay? I really do. Now that's easy when you love the person. Have a look at a person that you don't... No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. We're going to get into trouble right now. Let's backstroke out of this. So the fruit of the Spirit is love. And then it's joy. Do you know how many Christians lack joy? My goodness. It's on the inside of you. But it never comes out unless you release it. There's some people that walk around, looks like they've been, you know, sucking lemons all day, and they think that that is spiritual. (laughs) This is how people perceive spiritual people. You've got to be somber. You know, you can't smile, you can't joke, you can't, there's no levity. I mean, you have got to be somber sides. I would love to have been part of the group that walked around with Jesus. I would, I would, I, man, Jesus laughed. He, he had a great sense of humor. Look at who he chose. What a motley crew. 
And can, can you imagine walking for three and a half years with them? One guy not believing anything's going to happen. The blind come, I don't believe they're going to see. I don't believe we're going to have enough money. I don't believe you can turn water to wine. I don't believe, I don't believe, I don't believe. Surrounded by doubt and unbelief all the time. Then you've got old Peter that continually had to be pulled back. And then you've got a thief got his hand in the till. And Jesus knows it. And you've got, you know, James and John who uh, all they want to do is they want to sit at the right hand of the Father. Uh, they sit at the right hand of Jesus. Sons of thunder. Boy, that's descriptive, isn't it? Can you imagine the sparks that flew there? So Jesus, I'm sure, had a great sense of humor. But you know, it's not humor that brings out the joy. Joy is spiritual. We have got to learn to be able to walk in that realm of joy, irrespective of what the circumstances are. Now that doesn't always mean, that doesn't mean that you always are walking around with a supercilious smile on your face. But you see, the joy will also enable you to be at peace. See? Why? Because you see, we don't look at the circumstances that we're going through. We're looking at the end result. I can't be overcome because I'm an overcomer. <laughs> the devil can't kill me before my time. He's not going to kill me, period. <laughs> so when the time comes, I'll sit down and I'll just go home. And don't try and bring me back. When I'm gone, I'm out of here. Um, but I'm, until then, I'm going to enjoy myself here. Yeah. Amen? Amen? All right, so love, joy, peace. This is wonderful. Long-suffering, we've been through that one. Gentleness, goodness, and we're dealing with faithfulness. Faithfulness. Because that word faith that you've got there is not mountain-moving faith. It's character, faithfulness, found faithful. It is required of a steward that he be found faithful. Faithful. Now, we were talking last week about the functions of faithfulness. Why it has faithfulness been deposited on the inside of us? What is its benefit? What is its purpose, first of all? What is it supposed to perform? If I am faithful, there are certain manifestations, but what is the end result? There's got to be a reason for its existence. And what I shared with you last week was that the first function of faithfulness was this, to equip believers to exercise stewardship over God's goods. God wants us to be faithful in what He's blessed us with. The word bless, very simply put, means this. You're in a better position after that experience than you were before. I'm blessed. People walk around, they say, how are you doing today, pastor? I'm blessed. That's going to be the first words out of my mouth. Check them out. How are you doing? I'm blessed. More than a conqueror. You say, but are you blessed like at all the time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am. I am. I'm blessed with a sound mind. You may not think so, but I am. <laughs> and a sound body. A great looking wife. 
beautiful family. God's blessed me. People that He surrounded us with in ministry who are taking the load and walking with us. People who have got vision. That's blessing from God. It doesn't always have to be dollars and cents. But should the need arise, the dollars and cents come in handy. (laughs) That I do. I'm going to teach you on prosperity again. I need to get back and teach prosperity. I can see this. Anyway, we're going to press on here with faithfulness. I'm going to be faithful to this task. Now, I believe that there's a spiritual principle that God takes, what He has entrusted to people when they've not been found faithful, and He gives it to people who have been found faithful with what they've been entrusted with. Why would God leave His blessings in the hands of unfaithful people? Because His blessings are for the enrichment of others. Have a look at Matthew chapter 25. Now we're going to go through a couple of scriptures here tonight. So just stay with us on this. Verses 28 and 29. The story of the man that went into a far country left talents, gifts. The word talent there, incidentally, is, is, a, is a monetary system. It was part of the monetary system of that land, a talent. All right? So it's not talking about a natural gift. It's like he would leave uh, 500 bucks with you, $5,000. All right? So to the one he gave $5,000, to the other he gave $2,000, and to the other he gave $1,000. And he said to them, Take care of this until I come back. Now, obviously, this was a man of substance and means, and he entrusted it to his servants. Servants have got to be found faithful, diligent, responsible with what has been entrusted to us. We have to be, because this tells us that when the master returns, he is looking for something beyond what he entrusted to us. He's not looking for the same thing back. He can have that anytime he wants to. He's checking out our faithful stewardship of what he's entrusted to us. And stewardship is not just stewardship over money. It's stewardship over talent, ability, time, ministry, being a husband, being a father, being a mother, being a wife, being a son or a daughter in a home. See, all of those should be blessings. I know in, a, in our country, and, and let's, let's believe we need to start praying, change in our families. Because I want to tell you, my heart goes out. I'll tell you what I saw. I was, I was, watching, I'm not gonna, I was watching a Western movie the other day. And it was about this guy that was, had, had this family responsibility and he was, he was plowing the fields. I mean, hard work, man. No mule to pull the plow. He was pushing this thing through there, trying to make a living for his family. And I came to realize some of what we deal with today started way back then. Because the guy was doing his best to keep the family provided for, he couldn't give time to his family. 
He was working that hard. There is a better way to go. But you see, we live today with a product of that kind of mentality. And uh, I believe that we need to get real wisdom. And, and, and if the Lord ministers something to you from this platform and it goes off in your heart, start embracing it. Start putting it into action in your life, in your family structure. Because I'll tell you, the majority of families here, they never experience what good family life is all about. And it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. And we need to get back. Well, no, some, I can't even say get back because some haven't even experienced it. There needs to be a revolution that comes in our families. So here, the, 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 the good man, the man that went to the far country, he's coming back and he says, I'm looking for something more than what I gave you. I mean, if, you, if the only thing you're going to do is take it and put it in the bank, let it earn interest, I'm looking for more. I'm looking for responsibility on the part of the people that I've entrusted things to. Well, what has God entrusted to you? I believe that we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. I do not believe that God the Father judges the body. Jesus is going to be the judge of the, of the body. I believe that we will be judged and stand before the judgment seat of Jesus. I believe that. We might be standing before Him on a daily basis even. How are we handling what He's entrusted to us? See, natural talent, natural ability, the ability to learn, the ability to influence people, the ability to bring about change. Now let's take it out of the natural realm and let's swing that into the spirit realm and let's have a look at some of the revelation that we started to get concerning our ability to take the Word of God and change situations and change circumstances and minister into the lives of people who are in bondage. That's our responsibility. He's entrusted to us revelation. How faithful are we with that? Oh, but pastor, you know, I'm just a young person. Do you know that, they, that there is agreement amongst most theologians, despite what you see on the murals in churches, but that the disciples that Jesus had around him were probably no older than 21 years of age. They were between 17 and 21 years of age. They were young men. Age is not a disqualification when it comes to receiving the Word of God and operating in the Word of God. I've seen kids this high lay hands on the sick and I've seen their parents get healed. We, we've got to understand the Word of God will work for you, but you have got to want the Word of God to work. What I'm concerned about is this. I find such an appalling lack of interest on the part of Christians to live this life. That's where, that's where our problem is. Yeah. I really don't want to live it. Why? It's too demanding. You're right. But James says, what is your life? Yeah. Yeah. It is but a vapor that appears for a moment in time. You think that you've got another 40 years to live, 50 years to live, 60 years to live? Maybe. Maybe you're blessed with another 100 years to live. But let me share something with you. In the overall scheme of things, that's not a drop in the ocean. And you, when you're out of this, you're going to look back and say, I don't have anything to do for the Lord now. Because when you leave here, you ain't going to work for Him anymore. <laughs> Certainly not in the way that we understand work. This is the only opportunity that we've got to live for the Lord. Amen? Yeah. 
So what have we got here? Verse 28. Take therefore the talent from him and give it to him that had ten talents. For unto every one that hath, hath what? Hath the ability to take skillfully and use skillfully what has been entrusted to him, to him shall be given. And he shall have abundance. Why? He knows how to use it. But from him that hath not, hath not what? Hath not the interest, hath not the endeavor, hath not the drive, hath not any understanding of the accountability, (laughs) shall be taken away even that which he has. Now, you say, hang on, but but, but Romans 11.29 says, the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. This is not talking about the gifts and the callings of God. You still got them. And I'll tell you, you can neglect them. You can let them lie dormant in your life. You may not hone the skills that God has blessed you with. But I'll tell you right now, whether you do or don't, you will still give account for them. Because you don't use them does not provide for you uh, an excuse before the Lord. Because he's going to say, that's what I put on the inside of you. Talk to me about what you did with it. Oh, well, Lord, I just didn't use it. You know, I was in that church and they didn't give me any opportunity to preach. Okay, let's move on there. Okay. Now, Jesus, I believe, confirms the principle. He confirms this principle. Go back to Matthew chapter 21, and this is where I believe that he does it. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 43. Here Jesus is talking to the nation of Israel. He's speaking to Israel. And look at what he says. Therefore say I unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. You read that context of that passage and he's talking there to Israel. And that's what happened. Sorry about this. I love you, but don't run off to a piece of parched land on the border of the Mediterranean and expect to see something significant happen spiritually. Anybody who's going to come into a right relationship with Jesus is going to come by means of the cross. And to the Gentiles who have entered into faith, that is the nation that is talked about there, those who have entered into faith, to them have been entrusted the responsibility of bringing forth the fruits of the kingdom. Now, I'm not going to get in on a a discussion any further on that, but I believe that we need to get our brains unscrambled because a lot of people are making a lot of money, taking tons of people over there, and I'll tell you this, that it doesn't line up with Scripture. It's an emotional way of people having free rides and sitting there in five-star hotels at the expense of the group that they're taking along. Put that tape out there and I'll get mail, but that's okay. 
So Israel was not faithful with the revelation. And it's rather interesting because if you do a study, it's not like Israel were ignorant of it because they had prophets who when Jesus was born said, this is that. (laughs) This is it. You had Simeon and you had various others who said, we know what's happening. Oh yeah, this is the baby. This is the one. Now I can die in peace. My eyes have seen what God has provided. Israel knew it. The religious group kept them ignorant. All they had to do is go and read the word and they would find the truth. And so that revelation that was promised, and I believe that God intended to work through natural Israel and bring about through the revelation of Messiah to them that they would receive Messiah and they would be the ones who would go out. Now, reform, not a natural uh, Israel, no clan here, but they would go out. New people in Christ, just like you and I, and they would be used to evangelize the world. Didn't happen. Because they rejected Messiah. And God has given that responsibility to the Gentiles. Now, second function of the fruit of faithfulness is this. To enable believers to experience fellowship with the Father. Do you think that God's just going to come along and fellowship with you when you're not faithful? He's not going to know whether you're going to be there or not. And when he does start giving you revelation, although he knows everything, I think he might be concerned about what you're going to do with the revelation that he gives you. You want to see this? Have a look. Go back to Numbers. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Numbers. Numbers. Chapter 12. Reading verses 1 and 2. And Miriam and Aaron spake unto Moses, Because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. We've got racism here. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they were mad. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed Spoken only by Moses? You mean we ain't got any revelation? You think God doesn't speak to us? God speaks to me just like he speaks to you, pastor. (laughs) Hath he not also spoken by us? Careful what you say. Boys, read the next sentence. The Lord heard it. That's a bad news statement. Pick it up there at verse 5. Verse 5. And the Lord came down in the pillar of the cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam and they both came forth trembling, petrified, scared out of their wits. They just wish they had a headache. And he said, hear now my words. If, you're not even saying that there is one. 
He says, if there be a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known unto him in a vision, because that's the way that I deal with prophets. And I'll speak to him in a dream. That's the way that I deal with prophets, if there is one. But my servant Moses is not so. Who is, what's the next word? Faithful. Faithful at all, in all my house. With him will I speak mouth to mouth, even apparently, and not in dark speeches. And the similitude of the Lord shall be, shall he behold. Wherefore then were ye not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? There is a great lesson to be learned there, but I want to move on and I want you to see it's Moses' faithfulness that caused God to speak to him face to face. God could count on Moses. God could entrust things to Moses and he knew Moses was going to follow through. What do you think that whole exercise up on the mount was all about? Where up on the mount he looked through the veil of the flesh into the spirit realm, saw the pattern and the purpose of the tabernacle, and God said, now you go back down in there, and I want you to make everything after the pattern that you saw up on the mountain. And he was able to give recall to that. He was faithful. He didn't look for shortcuts. He didn't look for substitutes. He found the best workmen. And when they produced the goods, they presented to him and said, Moses, is that what you saw? No, that's not what I saw. Change that. I told you, don't do that. Do that, do that, do that. Is that it? That's it. God could count on him. Can God count on you? Can God count on you? When God's spoken into your heart, can He count on you to go out and do in your own life, in your circumstances, for others, whatever it is, can He count on you to do it? You see, if He can't count on you there, do you think He's going to give you a ministry? Do you think He's going to entrust to you the power of the kingdom? So you've got to ask yourself these questions. This is why faithfulness is so important because the second sun, uh, function of the fruit of faithfulness is to enable believers to experience fellowship with the Father. Faithfulness. When the Spirit of God says in the New Covenant, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. It's not because He's seeking your money to keep the, the show on the road. That's not what he's doing. He knows how desperate your need is going to be. And when the congregation of God's people, in obedience to his instruction, come together with attitudes that are right, and they enter into praise and worship, God comes down and he speaks. He speaks to a collective whole, and he also speaks to individuals and quickens to us individually, in, in areas and speaks to us in areas that we need Him to speak to us in. Some of it requires adjustment, realignment. Some of it means take the scalpel and cut it out. But some of it's reassurance, yes. confirmation. And you say, Father, thank you. 
And you've got to realize that whatever God is saying to your life, the whole purpose of His saying it is so that your life ultimately is going to be blessed in a better condition than it is right now. But you, you have the right to resist it. But then don't expect to have fellowship face to face with God. Because you see that word apparently means literally in the Hebrew, clear or manifest to the understanding. And so because of Moses' faithfulness, God's voice was very clear and manifest to his understanding. Moses didn't have a problem understanding the voice of God. How many times haven't I had people ask me, Pastor, I don't know what's wrong. I just can't hear from God. I think in the future my response is going to be this. Check your faithfulness. Is is there something that God required of you that you have not been faithful to perform? Because if I take that lesson from Moses, the reason that Moses was able to hear very clearly from God is because God was able to trust Moses. When God spoke to him, he followed through with it. Question, how faithful have you been? If you're not hearing from God, you need to go back and say, Father, where where have I missed it? Now there is time for re-evaluation of our situation and our relationship with God. It's not spiritual thumb on spiritual uh, uh, pulse, step by step, step by step. You don't have to do that. I know when I'm out of line with God. I know it. You know it as well. Nobody even has to tell you that. You know it. You've been along this road, even if you've been along for three months, you might not be able to verbalize what's going on, but you say, gee, man, it just doesn't feel like it did. And we need to understand that God doesn't play games this way. Now, well, what, what did Jesus say about this? Have a look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 30. John chapter 5 and verse 30. Now this is Jesus speaking. The Son of God speaking. You see, this to me is one of the scriptures, and there are others, but this is one of the scriptures that answers very clearly the limitations that Jesus imposed on himself when he laid his glory by, set it aside, and took on flesh. He's 100% God, 100% man, but he walked this earth as man. He was not all-knowing. He had to be led by the Spirit of God. He had to hear the voice of God. This is exactly what he says here. He says, I can of my own self do, what's the next word? Nothing. Nothing. Isn't that astounding? I'll tell you right now, of your own self, you can do nothing. Of myself, I can do nothing. When you come to the realization of that truth, you're starting to grow. When you think that God needs you, you're in trouble. When you think you've got it together, you're in trouble. You ain't got anything together if He's not the center of it, because He's the glue that holds it all together. He puts His hand underneath and the rest of it just comes together. But I'll tell you right now, don't think that you've got it. I've got my future all planned. The sadness, the sadness of our situation. And there's a group of people that I believe God is going to be bringing into this church. But I want you to know something. We've got some challenges ahead of us. And I'm not talking about the guys that dress weird. 
I'm not talking about the ones with earrings dangling there and uh, banging over there and things through the nose and all that kind of, bring them on. They need Jesus and they know it. They're just making a statement, a cry of help, saying, please, somebody reach out and touch my life. But the guy who's the challenge is going to be the guy who's the yuppie. He's the guy who's got it all together. He's achieving. He's probably self-made. He's got purpose and direction. He knows where he's going. They're the hardest to reach because they think they don't need God. And they need God like anybody else does. So the Lord's going to have to give us wisdom. If you have a look at this, what does Jesus say here? I can of my own self do nothing. He then goes on and he says, As I... What's the next word? Hear. Hear. And remember what we've just said. You ain't going to hear anything if you're not faithful. Why would God speak to us? Because He's intending us to do something with what He's saying. Come on. Why does God give revelation? And you've got to check this out. God is this for now. It may not be for the body. It may be for thee. We've had people that want to bring forth a word and, and, and God bless them. We, we learn through this process. But listen, not every word that you get while you're out there is for the whole body. You're saying, God, speak to me. And man, here he comes. Thus saith the Lord. Ah, I've got something for the body. I got to get. And God says, I'm not for the body, dummy. 90% of what you hear is going to be for thee. Yes. And I've been in meetings where people, pastors, and in my spirit, when I heard that, the spirit of the Lord said to me, that wasn't for the body, that was for him. But it was a heavy thing. So he wanted others to carry the load with him. It's called manipulation. It's called control. It's called being chicken. No backbone. God speaks to you individually. Take it. God speaks to me. I'll tell you, he kicked my butt sometimes. Yeah. You ever had your butt kicked by God? And he does it in such a gentle way and he's smiling all the time. This is love to perfection. I mean, this is incredible. And you're feeling like a dog. You know, you feel so bad, you want him to hit you again, just because you, you know, oh man. Do you know what I mean? See? So what what does Jesus say? Watch this. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. My Lord, that's faithfulness. Father, I'm nothing. Now, we say that. I wonder how many of us really believe that. Father, I'm nothing. Is that right? You went to your brother comes up to you and says, you're nothing. What? How dare you? Who do you think you are? You think that you're something, huh? But you just said, I'm nothing. God, I'm nothing. <laughs> Hello. See, we can use this language that we think sort of placates God. Yeah. <laughs> but the real us is the one that says, how dare you say that about me? Yeah. 
Who do you think you are? If I'm nothing, I'm nothing in God's eyes, and I'm nothing in men's eyes. You've got to reach a stage where you realize, all I'm here for is to do the will of the Father. I don't have to maintain a reputation before men. Because, you know, when you leave here, you're going to leave your reputation. You don't take, you know, your reputation doesn't precede you into heaven. And the Lord says, look, put out the diamonds and the rubies because we've got so-and-so coming now. Okay? He's got a great reputation. You leave your reputation with you. Jesus says, man, all I want to do is I want to hear the Father. Of myself, I can do nothing. I've got to hear the Father's voice. I've got to hear that. Because without that, I'm sunk. This is Jesus speaking. See? Now, if you go across to chapter 8 of the same book, you get an experience over there of him hearing the Father. Verses 3 through 11 is a story there of a woman taken in adultery. Under Levitical law, they could take her out and they could stone her to death. There's no mention here of the guy. I mean, how do you commit adultery by yourself? Come on. Oh, no, but you see. All right, so now here she is. She's defensive. Now what they do is they say, Jesus, this is the religious leaders. Uh, check out this situation. Now, how should this be handled, Jesus? They're trying to trap him. Jesus says, I don't do anything except I first hear from the Father. In every situation, there is a wisdom that comes from above. The majority of us don't even hear the word of wisdom. All we want to do is throw the stone. Nothing. Good lesson for some of us to learn. There are lots of times where you don't want to open your mouth. That's right. Too many of us lead with our mouths. And you get your teeth knocked out. And he writes in the ground. What did he write? Let him that is without sin cast the first stone. Probably he wrote what, was, what appeared on Nebuchadnezzar's wall. Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. I don't know what he wrote. But whatever he wrote, it was profound. Because when they read it, they changed their minds. Where did he get that? From the Father. We're talking, hearing the voice of the Lord. Why did he get it? Because he was faithful. But I want you to realize something, that when God finds a person who is faithful, God seeks that person out for fellowship. You can't fellowship with a person next to you unless you're communicating. It might be touchy-feely communicating, man and woman, husband and wife, or it might be just the knowledge that the two are together, that's a, there's a communicating that can take place there, depending on the degree of intimacy that the relationship allows. But that's not going to hold water forever, that kind of intimacy. You go along, and some of you guys have tried it with your wives. 
And they say, hang on a minute. I'm tired of this dumb stuff. Talk to me. Amen. There's need for fellowship, yeah. which is verbal interaction. Yeah. Exchange of views. Talking. That's fellowship with God. You can do that in your car. You can do that walking down the hallway. You can do that on the commute into town. But if you're not talking to Him, you're not communicating. And if you're not communicating, I question whether you're fellowshipping. And you will not fellowship if there's no faithfulness. God's looking for faithfulness. All right? Now... The third function of the fruit of faithfulness is this. To enable believers to experience the joy of pleasing the Father. The joy of pleasing the Father. In Matthew chapter 25 and verse 21, let me read it to you. This is what Jesus is going to say one day. Well done, thou good and highly talented servant. Is that what it says? Talent doesn't come into it. Great gifting doesn't come into it. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithful. Faithful. I think that's the reason that I love dogs. They're faithful. I mean, it doesn't make any difference if I've whacked that pooch. I come in from work. He's the first to greet me. You'd think, man, I brought him a T-bone steak. I mean, I don't have anything. He's after the mints in my pocket. That's what he's after, ours is. But, I mean, he will wag his tail like he's just about going to turn himself inside out. He'd, he's forgotten what happened. and He loves me. One of the few, but he loves me. <laughs> but I want you to see, what is it? that's what endears us to him. They've got an ability... To just, through loving people, get people to respond to them. Yeah. They get away. That dog of ours gets away with murder. <laughs> There's no animal in our lives that ever gets away, ever got away with what he gets away with. <laughs> and it's her fault. <laughs> Is it? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Faithfulness. Faithful. Lord, what did you say? That's where I want you to be. That's what I want you to do. This is how I want you to handle it. You see, God should never have to come through the body checking up to see if we're doing what he's told us to do. Should never have to do that. You can count on it, Lord. And when I finish doing it, I want to be able to stand back and say, is it okay? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that how you want? Is that okay? You, you're not pleased? I'll change it. Yeah. Too many of us produce slapdash performances for God. Slapdash in our preparation. 
slapdash in what we put our hand to. Just so it's done. That's for the King of Kings. It's for the God of all creation. It's for my Lord that was hanging on a tree. For me. It's the one who brought me into this incredible relationship with God. I was without hope. I was lost. And He did all this for me. Can't even get a church on time. Well, the pastor... No, the pastor doesn't come into it. God told us, start at 10 o'clock. Not, I think it's a good idea. To me, a good idea is 7.30. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> really? Amen. We're done by 10. I've got the whole day then. I don't... Hello? Amen. Well, come on. You see what... You understand what I'm saying? And if the Lord's added you, uh, we, we've got to get away from this idea. Gee, oh man, it's a drag. It's I've got to get out there. I want to tell you, to me it's the most exciting yeah. thing to come into the presence of God and worship Him. I get excited so much on the inside. I listen to the strains of that music. Man, some of that thing. Oh, magnify the Lord. When they, Oh boy, that does things on the inside of me. Because it's a call. It's an opportunity to express all our love and appreciation for the Lord and what He's done. Man, folks, we should be there. Get there. Get focused. Come in prepared. Expectant. Meeting with the God of all creation. Now, Jesus was obviously able to enjoy the presence of the Father because of His faithfulness. And in John chapter 8, I want to just read there for a minute. John chapter 8, verse 29. John chapter 8 and verse 29. He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. For I do always those things that please Him. His purpose in the earth was to please the Father, not to impress the Pharisees and the Sadducees, not to make Caiaphas mad. His purpose in the earth was to please the Father. Question. Do you want to please the Father? Is that, is that really, really the motivation of your life? Yeah. Well, I'm a born-again believer. Are you? Oh, uh-huh. Are you serving the Lord? What do you mean? Are you serving the Lord? Well, no, I'm not in ministry. No, are you serving the Lord? I'm a born again. (laughs) There was a time in South Africa where the revival hit. And across the newspapers, this born again term was blazoned. And people who were ignorant of of its meaning and its application, I mean, they were born again. But they called themselves, "I'm, I'm a born again. I'm a born again. They didn't add the word believer, but I'm a born again. I'm one of them. I'm a born again. Listen. 
Jesus is not looking for decisions. Jesus is looking for disciples. You, you and I need to come to the place where we realize the purpose for our existence goes way beyond what your plans and purposes for your life are. There's only, in essence, one reason for you to be in this earth. And here it comes. To please the Father. Amen. To please the Father. You can't get blessed outside of that. You have to learn how to please the Father. And Jesus was always faithful in what He did. And the result of it was He pleased the Father. Whatever the Father wanted Him to do, He did. Now, if you, you don't have to turn there. We're not, I haven't got the time, but 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15 and onwards, Paul gives this brilliant analogy of the human body and its respective parts, and he takes it and he parallels that with life in the church. And he says, you can't all be noses. And you can't all be ears and you can't all be eyes. Some of you are going to be like the stinky little toe in the shoe. But have you, have you ever tried to walk without one? I had a friend who lost his big, the big toe of his foot in an accident. And you think, oh, big toe. Do you know what they did? They had to do reconstructive surgery on his foot after a period of time because the big toe takes all the weight and because the big toe wasn't there, he had to make an adjustment and it spread the bones out of the foot. And the whole foot got deformed. And they had to pull that whole thing back in and give him special, a special shoe on that side to compensate for the loss of a toe. And it probably had a bunion on or something. I don't know. But this is the point. That's how important the member is to the body. You think that doesn't affect the head? It doesn't affect the hands? It doesn't affect the whole body suffers because that one part is missing. And Paul says, I want the body to come together. Now he's speaking by the Holy Spirit. He's hearing from God. And he says, this is God's desire. This is God's, that the body comes together. That every member finds out what their place is in the body. And start functioning there so the body can perform. It's not important who's the head. Because the head is useless without the foot. Yeah. You can have two great feet and no hands. You've got a real problem in life. Yeah, that's right. See? You can have a great heart and bad lungs. You've got a problem in life. Yeah. Do you understand? Yeah. So we've got to understand God's place, not me. God added you to a body. And God's going to fit you. And I know we've got, we've got guests here from other churches. God added you to that church. You be there. You're welcome to be here. But I'm talking about in terms of vision and pursuing. You need to be where God's planted you. If He's planted you there. And you've got to find your place in that body and perform in that position. And the hand can't perform like the foot. Don't look for that kind of anointing. You ain't going to get it. And you can't hear with your nose. No anointing. 
We've got to understand this. Now, I've got five minutes, haven't I? Thank you. <laughs> Any advance on 10? No, 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 30. Okay, all right. <laughs> now, go with me to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. No, I'll just take five minutes. But I believe that there is something here that the Lord showed me. James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. And it goes on and develops that line of thinking. It talks about adding things and so on. Now, I believe that there is a reason that many Christians cannot stand in faith during times of test and trial. They capitulate. They're not found faithful. And I believe that the reason is this. is because they're not really, in that situation, standing to please God. They're standing to get blessed. When you say, well, you know, what's wrong with that? This is what's wrong with it. The blessing, the receiving of the blessing, the pursuit of the blessing, has replaced the purpose for their existence, Amen. which is God. Amen. They've got a golden calf. <laughs> and we're worshiping the blessing. So I can't handle the pressure because quite frankly the pressure, the reward of the blessing is not great enough to make me want to endure the pressure. So I'm going to get out of here. You lost sight of the purpose for your existence. And we're talking faithfulness. And God has given to you and to me things, gifts, poured them into us, blessed us with talents naturally. And when my pursuit is pleasing God, I don't care what comes my way. I'm not saying it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying it isn't rough. But I am saying this, I ain't giving up. Yeah. Because my purpose here is not to impress you. And my purpose is not to get blessed. My purpose is to please God. Yeah. Now when my focus is that, and I end up pleasing God, I'm going to be blessed. Yeah. Because God is love, and He just keeps lavishing upon me. And the end of my state is going to be far better than at the beginning. Amen. But if I go through pressure, when I am seeking the blessing, yeah. 
I will find myself backing out. I will capitulate. I will not be able to take the pressure because I'm pursuing the blessing and I've missed out on the purpose for my existence, which is God. Why are you here? Tell your neighbor, I'm here to please God. Now, I have to please God in every area. I don't have any option. This is not discussable. It's not negotiable. I have to please God in every area. I've got to please God, first of all, as a born-again believer. I have to please God myself. This is my life. This is my life. You can't please God for me. I've got a race to run. I have to please God in my life. I've got to please Him as a believer. That means that when I'm taught Mark 16 verse 17, I take the truth that He has spoken into my heart and I start using it. The revelation of Mark 16 verse 17, that believers will lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover, that believers in the name of Jesus will cast out demons and so on, is not given to us so we can just say, well, I know that verse and I believe it. You don't believe it until you've put it into action. You don't believe it until you've put it into action. Until you've stood there by faith, put your hands on somebody and done it. You don't believe it. You say, I don't have the opportunity. You lie. You lie. Northern Virginia is filled with demons. It's filled with demons. So what I've got to do is understand that responsibility given to me to pursue, to to implement and follow through with that which has been revealed to me is a responsibility which is mine. I cannot expect God to give me further revelation in any area until I'm walking in the revelation that already has been given to me. That's why a lot of the church don't have revelation. God doesn't just waste revelation. To him that hath shall more be given. And to him that hath not from him shall be taken away, even that which he hath. I'm a believer. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm in ministry. I'm a man. I've got these areas of responsibility. they fraught with challenge. Doesn't make any diffs. I'm going to do the best that I can, committed to him, learn to draw from his strength, his enabling, his provision, so that at the end of the race, When I stand before him one day, he'll say, well done, good and faithful. Amen. Amen. Make that the cry of your heart. Lord, teach me how to do that. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Father, we bless you for your word tonight. Thank you that this word is alive. Thank you that you've spoken to us and challenged us. And Lord, when you do that, it's because you want us to apply in our lives, in our circumstances, in our homes. You want us to meditate upon. You want us to get our minds renewed concerning all that you've shared with us. And I pray over every person here. Father, there's so many that just love you and they desire to serve you. Help us to grasp hold of the truth that the purpose for our existence solely is to please you. Thank you for your time with us, Master. We bless you. You've imparted to us richly. As we take it and we build it in, 
We want to thank you that we are being transformed by the washing of the water by the word. We bless you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Give them heaven. Praise the Lord.